I'm Jolie, your branding badass, and welcome to my new podcast, Branding Matters. Today I'm sitting down with Lisa Anna Palmer, the founder and CEO of Light Your Leadership Brand Institute and international best-selling author of Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. Recently, Lisa was selected as one of the top 100 Canadian professionals for 2020. With more than 25 years experience, Lisa has coached and facilitated workshops for thousands of executives from all over the world with a special focus on leadership. I invited Lisa to be a guest on my show to get her point of view on what role leadership plays in the success of a brand. And I also wanted to discuss what it takes to be a great leader and what challenges COVID has presented. Lisa, welcome to Branding Matters. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I love your energy. And, you know, we, we met once on Zoom before this and I right away I felt there was a connection. So I'm very pleased to be here. Oh, me too, actually. And uh, OK, so first, right off the bat, when you were working as tw- in your 20s with these top leaders uh, and we're going to get into this in a second, but I'm just curious, like, was there any sort of backlash as far as who is this young chick who's trying to manage and lead me? Was, did you find that was maybe an impetus? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, at 23 or 24, I forget exactly. I was actually leading a re-engineering team consisting of uh, there were some directors in there. There were some uh, managers. At the time, it was for citizenship ship in Immigration Canada. But you know what, it was a great experience. Because once they got over the initial fact that I was maybe 20 years younger than them, in some cases, and a woman, uh, probably, yeah, and a yeah. woman uh, really connected, you know, and, awesome. uh, and I think that's part of my upbringing, my parents always spoke to everyone, anyone, a uh, very social family, you know, I was always around people. Oh, uh, and plus, I was the youngest by far, not just with my siblings, but my cousins, too. Like, I, right. you know, I have cousins who are uh, quite a bit older than me. So I was used to being around people who, who were adults, you know, when I was a child, and then yeah. in my 20s, around people who were, you know, in their, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, it didn't bother me at all. So you weren't intimidated at all? Uh, maybe at times. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that intimidated me more was not necessarily the one-on-one interactions. What always... I was afraid about, you know, was speaking in public. That oh, took okay. me a long time to get over. I mean, that oh, was. Here, like and here you are now, like, an I know, earning a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. That's amazing yes, to overcome you. that. Okay, so let's start with your company. Where did you come up with the name Light Your Leadership Brand Institute? And tell us what that's about. It sounds just so fascinating. Thank you. So, actually, within the last week since we last spoke, I now incorporated as Light Your Leadership Inc. Okay, that just happened. Good for you. Uh, Congrats. Yes, thank you. Uh, So the light your leadership part came about and it's related to my book. So right. And we're gonna talk about your book for sure. Yeah. So the the idea came from there. So my book is light a fire in their hearts. You know, I got the inspiration that well, before we can help others to light a fire in, in their hearts, we also need to light our own leadership. So that's where it comes from is because leadership flows from the inside out. So we need to ignite that light inside of us so that we can help others do the same. So that's where it came from. Okay, very Mm -hmm. cool. And so then from that propelled you to write a book and your book is called Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. Can you tell us about this book? Because this is pretty big book, getting lots of accolades, right? Thank you. Yes. So that was uh, that was a journey in itself. Right. uh, Jolie. I mean, there were ups and downs. It was a roller coaster ride. 
How I got the inspiration is actually kind of interesting. So I always cared about people at work. And when I first started my company, it was kind of a broader, like the first iteration of it was Catalan Palmer Consulting. And it was HR Consulting. <coughs> Pardon me. So this was the, the first iteration. I've been through a couple of iterations. <laughs> okay. It's a journey. Like, it's, they yeah. say it's not the destination, it's the journey, exactly, right? Right. And, and your brand yeah. next, it all, the, the brand has to represent what your promise, your essence, right? So exactly. my essence has shifted since Absolutely. my early 40s. So early on, it was HR uh, consulting. So all kinds of work were coming my way, you know, from termination to staffing, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And what I realized was the things that I really was passionate about is leadership and the role leadership plays in organizations, and the impact on people in, in organizations. So I had all these ideas going on in my mind. And then in 2014, I woke up one morning, it was this, you know, inspiration, uh, I usually get uh, these ideas in the morning my husband's like oh no here we go <laughs> so I, I woke up with the idea actually it was for a children's book and it was called where did all the great leaders go and in my mind I could actually see the illustrations there's all these buildings and this kid uh this young boy who was about 11 years old had to do a project and the this project is your vision was, this is my okay what I woke up with yeah yeah okay <laughs> literally interesting um, yeah and uh you know what do you do to motivate your employees? So he's speaking to presidents and CEOs, et cetera. What do you do to motivate your employees? And then he's going around, he's learning about, you know, here's my age, total quality management, or- This is um, a long vision. I know. <laughs> wow. It is. This, I woke up with- Are you smoking then, anything funny when you had this <laughs> nothing, vision? Nothing funny at the time. Okay. So by the end, when I, so by the end of the book, long story short, um, the little boy is sitting at Tim Hortons because we're in Canada. Yeah. And uh, so this gentleman who uh, in my mind was like my old boss whom I loved, um, he, he sees a little boy says, little boy, why do you look so perplexed? And little boy says, well, it's because I've done this research for my project, finding out where great leaders went. And I got all kinds of answers, but none of them make sense to me. And so the man says to him, he says, well, young man, because if you want to motivate employees to do their very best, you need to light a fire in their hearts. And Absolutely. that's how I got the title. So you're the little boy. I mean, obviously, this must be something that you have been, it must have been in your subconscious. Okay, let's do our psychology analysis. Yeah, let's, let's do right? this. I mean, it must have been in your subconscious working in the field that you've been working in for so yeah. many years that you just found there was no, I want to say workbook, but anything for leaders to really have to help them be better leaders. So maybe it was always there. And then you woke up and Oh, I'm sure I'm right? sure I had ideas. Yes, yeah, because, uh, that's one wild. Of the, one of the things that really I was interested in was how do I help relieve the workplace suffering that I see every day in my yeah. work and that I've also experienced myself. I mean, I burnt out at 34 since then clients and loved ones and Absolutely. all kinds of people. And I see it all the time. And yeah. the more research I do, the more I find out it's a real uh, public health issue. So, so yeah, I guess the boy is a representation of either myself or my concern for the next generation. Yeah, actually, that's a really my good concern point. for the next generation, because I see these young kids and I see them, you know, that they, they have hope for the future. Well, these days, it's a bit harder than others. But you know, they think about their future. And then I know what happens to people in the workplace. And this is why I'm so passionate about my work. It's because I want to light a fire in their hearts, help leaders to really be compassionate, have courage and, and have the confidence to be great people leaders. Yeah, I think that's great. I think I, I saw you speak um, where you mentioned about uh, lighting a fire in their hearts versus lighting a fire under their ass, right? Like, that's isn't right. that the expression that people well, say is. is like, let's get a fire under your ass and let's get going. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they think that's motivation, which is no, completely it, not it burns people out. It actually yeah. burns them, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you're going to light a fire in people's asses. It's going to burn them out and, yeah. and their teams. And, and, and no pun intended. But no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I think this is so important. Um, you know, one of the things you talk about is, this is a quote, 2.4 million people die from work-related illnesses. Do you include suicide in that? I'm just curious. Your take uh, so it's in the International Labor Organization. And I believe what they've done is looked at all kinds of workplace related illnesses. Now, we talk about the mental health, which is definitely serious, because there are many studies on that. And not yeah. only the effect of mental health on the individual who's working and having a hard time at work, but on their children, the suicide rate actually goes up in the kids because their parents are so, you know, in, in such a in such a state, and then they're wow. seeing their parents and is and they're That's thinking, is that what I have to look forward to? So what so, kind of illnesses? When you, so when kind of, oh, well, you know, in, in the book, you'll see like, there's this, the wolf study. So the wolf study actually says that when you work with a jerk, so you have something like a 24 to 24% rate, higher chance of getting coronary heart disease. If you stay with that jerk for four years or more, it goes up to 64% chances of getting coronary heart disease. And I have, I have dealt with clients who have been through that. So people who were healthy when they started working in a, in a certain workplace, and then four or five years later, you know, they're having either strokes or heart attacks, et cetera. Uh, you know, when we talk about um, leaders in an organization and, you know, people who are listening are probably going like, Julie, what the hell does this have to do with branding? Well, I'll tell you, a big part of companies that are successful and have really strong brands, it starts internally. The culture internally reflects the culture externally. And so whether you're a CEO and you have a huge company or a small company, you have to focus on your culture and the way of doing that is by having good leaders Absolutely. so that's why i think having you on today is really important i mean i feel yeah. very lucky i've been with genumark for god 20 years and we have incredible support system and fantastic yeah, yeah and that's been a huge thing and i think that's why one of the reasons we are so successful is because internally we're happy and successful and taken care of and so I, I'm really passionate about that, just like you are. So you talk about burnout. You said you got burned out at 34. So Absolutely. what is burnout and what happened? Yeah, so so I guess people, you know, experience it in different ways. The yeah. way I experienced it was that I was working for many years. And, I, you know, I'm partly responsible for that because I didn't know how to set boundaries or say no. I was an approval seeker, etc. At the same time, I was very young. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, after working for years, you know, 10, 15 hour days, without exaggeration, wow, barely crazy. taking any weekends off, yeah. I came to the point where I could barely walk. Wow. So I, I, I started getting joint and muscle pains. And so I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at 34. At 34? At 34. Cow. I had a small toddler at home. Stress. So I, yeah. you know, I had this guilt because it, it wasn't like I was working because I wanted to work that many hours. I just didn't have, I wasn't empowered to say no. I didn't feel like I had the ability to say no or even the right to say no. Well, most never, people don't, right? They just exactly. feel they need to prove themselves and work hard and... Right. And, and at the same time, a, a good leader will notice when their good employees are burning out, they're not going to pile the work on them because that's what was happening. I was like the HR drive through. Hmm. Any issue would come my way and it didn't matter how long they saw me working, how late they saw me working. And that, you know, maybe some of the other people weren't working quite as many hours. The work wouldn't go to them. They would come to me. 
and they knew I had a small child at home and they still piled on the responsibility to the point where I went off on vacation. Finally, after, you know, all this time I was trying to carve out some time to spend with my family. After three days, I got a call from the vice president at the time to come back into work. So I think that's where I've drawn a lot of lessons, not to mention learn how to say no. Mm -hmm. set boundaries you talked about that's right I had a coach who taught me uh they brought in a coach because they you know I was trying to get back on track after Mm -hmm. getting diagnosed and I I worked really hard to get back on track and the coach uh came in to kind of figure out what was going on started off with you know we need to look at time management and after he saw everything I was working on he says no 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 you don't need time management you need need to learn to say no Mm -hmm. and I'm going to teach you how to do it (laughs) so so he did it was amazing so you know, all that to say, in my case, I really cared so much about the state of leadership and the ability to connect to the human level and have that compassion so much so that I draw from my experiences, the experiences of all the clients I've worked with, et cetera, to really try to bring this conscious to the consciousness of, of leaders, the importance of how they behave. Yeah. And, and back to the heart, which really back is, to the heart. is so important. So is there a difference between a leader and a manager? And if so, what is that difference? There's a big difference, actually. Yeah. And I believe it's a balance, right? So as you move up the organization, you need to become a better and better leader. Because management is more of a process, it's managing process, resources, schedules, projects, etc. It's more Uh about things. Whereas leadership is having the ability to inspire and engage with people and a science and it's an energy and it's a way of being. And as we grow in our roles in organizations, we need to expand those leadership abilities. I would suspect that one of the challenges that makes well, what makes a good leader versus a bad leader is people who get promoted because they are doing the tasks and they keep doing the tasks and they excel at it and they excel it. So they keep getting promoted because of those tasks with no idea about the other part, right? The human part, the connection part. And so they're maybe good managers, but they suck at leaders. Well, in fact, I, I say there are two silent killers in organizational culture. The first one is promoting high performers into leadership roles before they're even ready because they've spent 10, 15 years developing their craft or even sometimes five, but whatever. Yeah, but they're good at that one thing that they do. They're very good at it. They perform at it. And and all of a sudden, they're rewarded for their excellent work by being promoted into a leadership role. And oftentimes, that means the, the support falls away. Now expectations are way up. And not only that, the person has to figure out because they're they're high performers. Totally. And now they have a team with diverse skill sets, diverse learning styles, diverse levels of engagement, diverse initiative, yeah. et cetera. So they don't have the skills to be able to motivate others. They're going to fall back onto command and control. And that's where the conflict starts. So that's the number one thing, right? Because they try to command and control people. People don't like that. So then they're going to push back and then it beca- it turns into a conflict. Then the manager feels like they're failing for the first time in their lives, oftentimes. So it becomes this big ball of toxicity. And you do that over and over again in an organization. You're not supporting your leaders when you promote them. Guess what happens? It has the a- cards, right? Exactly. It's going to all fall down. That's number one. Number two, even more importantly, or just as importantly, is this philosophy that in order to get ahead, we need to play the game. And that's passed down from generation to generation to the point where I meet with clients and they tell me, Lisa, you wouldn't believe what my director told me today. I asked them, 
you know, how, what I need to do to get ahead. And they told me, well, to get ahead in this organization as a woman, you need to become mean. You need to play the game. You need to look out for number one. So here's the thing. If you say that over and over to people, people who are have integrity and don't like to be mean and want to be kind to others are may opt out. So they'll decide I'm not going to go for a management role. I don't want to play games. I'm going to keep, you know, being a middle manager or whatever. And the ones who do decide that they're going to push forward, it's either somebody who doesn't want to do it and like pretends and then it catches up to them. They burn mm-hmm. out, they, they feel out of alignment or it's somebody who doesn't care. So they step on others, they play games, they backstab, set up ambushes against colleagues who they feel is a threat. So all of a sudden you have a management team that's gotten ahead by being mean. I've so been very lucky. I've had great managers. You need to shift that around, right? So, yeah. and, and you are fortunate because yeah. engagement levels around the world are at 15%. That means 85% of people are dragging themselves into work. So I, oh, am- I, I know people like that. They wake up every day and dread going into, I mean, right. so you know what, that brings me to an interesting topic. So here we are now, most of us are working from home, if not all of us. Yeah. So we don't physically have to see that mean person or that bitch or whatever you want to call it. But how has that whole leadership role changed with now people working, you know, remotely? And is there still that same impact, but in a different way? Because now, you know, you can do it zoom wise. I mean, how has it affected good leaders and organizations? Yeah, so I I believe it's a catalyst. Okay. So COVID has been a catalyst for things that have been burgeoning for the last few years with more emphasis on conscious leadership, heart-centered leadership, et cetera. What happened is because of COVID, like one week you're in the office, the next week you're all online and people are traumatized, okay? So pretty much everybody in society has very varying degrees of trauma right now because right. of the fear and everything we've been through and, and you stress. know, all the stress, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So what I've noticed is, and this is a, a, an example uh, that was that makes it really drives home the message. So I was coaching a woman director and her husband was also a director in two different organizations. So the woman, her employer was like, you know what, take care of yourselves, take care of your health, your, your kids, we're going to get through this, the work is still going to get done eventually, we might just need to pull back a little bit. And don't worry, we've got your back. We care about you first. So the, the person felt supported was able to support her team and and take a very humane, compassionate approach to this to get everybody back on track. Her husband, uh, unfortunately, was in a different situation. Like two weeks after COVID hit and everybody's gone home, it's like, okay, we all plug in your computers, everybody get back on track. Uh, we got to get results. We can't let things fall. You know, we got to move on. So tell me, Jolie, who do you think got their people back on track faster? Oh, yeah. Motivation is you can't there. It's, right? it's like gold. Absolutely. Right. And the ability to help employees feel safe. Yeah. And even during chaos. And so that to me is a great people leader is somebody who can help even if there's chaos even if there's all kinds of things going on is help people feel grounded, safe, we'll get through this together. And let's have compassion for one another. And you know what, we'll take it one at a time, we'll course correct, we'll adjust. We're going to get through it. I'll give you a really good example. It's funny that you say that as you're talking. I was just thinking, you know, um, back in 2015, I had a really tough year. My husband and I split and I was in a really, really bad place. And of course, it affected my work, right? I was doing sales and everything. And, you know, I went from being like the top sales in Western Canada to like nothing. Mm. And my bosses uh, were so supportive and they said to me, you know what, take all the time you need. We're here for you, whatever you need. Don't worry about it. And when I back before then, pre 2015, when I was 
really sales were off the charts, they they compensated you, right? You got great bonuses and they incentivized you and everything. And then when the other thing happened, they were like supportive and there for you. And, you know, and to me, that's a great leader versus when I would tell people that why I've been with the company for 20 years, there's a reason I would tell people about these stories and they're like, wow, you know, when my sales are down, my boss is like, okay, your numbers are down. Come on, let's go. What are you doing? I don't care if you've just going through divorce or your husband's sick or whatever. Mm -hmm. So my point of all that is it just motivates me in talk about intrinsically to want to do well. I want to succeed not only for myself, but for the company, because I feel that sense of pride. Glad you shared that, Jolie, because that is the perfect example why it's important, not only because it's the right thing to do, and it's the humane thing to do. But actually, anyone who's in a leadership position who thinks that being kind to people will somehow ruin their business, it's not true. Yeah. I'm living proof of it for sure because of, you know, they could, they could have said like, you know what, your sales are down, like you suck and you need to pull up your socks and get going. And I would have been like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Right. But instead exactly. I made or, me or stayed and, and, and burnt out or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So absolutely. I don't think most people who are in leadership position, who are not doing a very good job are intrinsically bad people. I no, think they're absolutely. ill-equipped. Yeah. And they need some sort of training, but not not just like the regular, you know, let's performance manage people kind of training. It's like, how do you connect at the human level and a lot of self reflection and all that stuff. Let's talk about bad leadership behaviors. So micromanagement, people still micromanage others while they're away on zoom. So they're not even in the office. So I've seen micromanagers like freak out because now they can't control people where look at where they're sitting or anything like that, because now they're virtual. Oh, right. right. And- <laughs> And so, right, their whole world is like falling apart because all of a sudden they don't have control, but they find other ways, like through chats, they leave messages like, I tried calling you, but you weren't there. And the person's like, I went to the washroom, you know, I was eating, (laughs) like, what do you think? I'm like, you know, so, uh, so, so they'll, if if they have a desire and ability to micromanage, they'll make it work in any kind of way. So that's number one, bad behavior. I hear people complain. The other number one thing, because it's almost a tie, whenever I do employee focus groups and I ask, you know, what are some of the things that really upset you? They say is when my boss doesn't say hi to me. Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And because uh, they feel invisible or not they worthy feel or like they feel like they're just a number, like they don't mm-hmm. matter. And then when I give that feedback to the manager, and this is where I'm saying, I don't believe all managers are bad who are, who are behaving badly. Yeah. Then they say, what? No, I was just thinking about the meeting and this and that. It's like, I know, but the way it's being received and perceived is that you don't care. So make an effort. Now, if, if you look at uh, statistics, one of the things that is most reflective of a person's engagement levels is to the degree they feel that their opinion matters at work or that they're heard. That's a loss of human potential. We don't have to suffer at work, right? Yep. And when we love what we do, we do better. And, and in fact, when whenever uh, a company puts genuine, and I mean genuine, I don't mean like just a checklist saying, oh, I did some workshop on engage, you know, to leadership or whatever, just to make it more engaging. Mm-hmm. That That's not uh, genuine. But when it's genuine initiatives to help employees become more engaged, productivity levels go up like 30, 40%. Instead of burning people out yeah. and making them feel bad about their life in general, because it's not, and that's the other thing. Uh, when I coach leaders, I help them understand the power that they have and, and the way they affect the lives of others. And when they have that realization, a lot of them realize they have so much influence over another person's life. You talk about engaging and making people feel empowered. And, and a lot of it is communication and how you talk to mm-hmm. them and, and want things. Mm-hmm. So do you help clients with that too, as well as like, maybe we need to work on your communication skills? 
Well, definitely. And, and actually, I go a step further. I call it connection, that human connection. How do you connect yeah. at the human level, right? So number one is listening. That's the number one leadership skill. Oh, for sure. I think that's a number one skill we all need to work on. Right. And <laughs> people don't realize that. I work with, you know, when I first start working with people and they think that they go and have a brainstorming meeting that they have to do all the talking. It's like, no, you're a leader. Speak last. Let people mm -hmm. express themselves first. Mm -hmm. You facilitate and you ask great questions. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get the information that you need to have a great solution or, or to innovate. So the mindset is really important. It's not just what you say. It's where it comes from, the intent. And it's how you say things. It's the choice of words and the understanding that whatever you say carries way more weight than it did when you weren't a leader. Exactly. I was going to say because of your position. Because of your position. And yeah. that's, and, and again, that's shifting the mindset from individual contributor to great people leader is a journey. Mm -hmm. and, it, and there are skills. So you need to learn the skills, but you also need to work on the mindset, most importantly. You know, when I coach leaders, and, and this is often one of the topics that we spend a lot of time on is how to communicate to employees, how to connect with them yeah. so that, you know, whatever you intend to communicate to them is well received versus putting them on the defensive. It's like a relationship. You know, you could also be a marriage counselor, right? Yeah, well, sometimes the same I feel thing. like I, I mean, all the things, all the things we're talking about, it's very, it's relationship. I mean, at the end of the day, it's relationships, right? It we're is. People working it, with people or whatever, we're people. So it's right. funny. And when we that. create those you know, when, when we create a good relationship that's based on humanity and it's based on compassionate where it doesn't matter if we have different views or whatever, we're still seeing each other as human beings, then it's it's definitely going to be a much better kind of team and, and organization where than where people are viewed as objects. Okay, so I want to talk about, I'm actually really interested in this, the eight P's of admission. So I want to go through them and I want you to sort of elaborate a little bit on them if you wouldn't mind. So sure. The first... so, so the eight P's of ignition is to ignite a fire in their hearts, right? Okay. So you want to light Oh, them. I called it the eight P's of admission. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. uh, the eight P's of, ig... say it again, the eight P's of ignition? Ignition. Oh, to yeah. light the fire. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All yeah. right. Love it. So yeah. profundity. First so one. profundity. So I was trying to find a word to reflect the fact that many people make decisions to become formal people leaders, i.e. go into a managerial kind of role, unconsciously. So they're offered the position, they're doing great as an individual contributor, and they get promoted into it. Uh, they want the corner office, the power, the pay, without consciously really asking themselves and going through the process of, is this really for me? Am I called to want to lead others and to grow them and to be able to challenge myself to deal with all the issues that come up when you're dealing with other people's emotions. Profundity is about going within and going deep, being profound, instead of just making your decision to become a leader based on the things that are very superficial. And yeah, external. bigger car, bigger house. Or, or right. Whatever. Because if you skip over that part of self-reflection and figuring out whether it's aligned with your purpose and your passions, and part of your your calling mm -hmm. if you skip over that part and you just choose to go into leadership guess what not only will you potentially ruin the lives of your team you'll probably potentially ruin your own life because i've met a lot of people in those positions who are not happy so yes okay the next one passion passion yeah so that's I'm a passion. little bit of a passionate person everything i do yeah, I'm just a little bit I mean, it shows of course uh, i i mean i i can't imagine life without it so why is mm -hmm. that uh, why is that there well, it's important because passion 
is what lights you up, what that fire in your belly. So as a leader, first of all, you need to have that own, figure that out for yourself. What's, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. And what you're passionate about points to your purposes too, right? Which is really important in work to find meaning. And for passion, it's not only yourself, but helping others connect with their passion and then connect mm -hmm. that to the work and then the overall mandate of the organization. One of the things where they lose engagement is they don't understand what impact they're having through their work. So if you're a leader, you want to be able to help the person that you're working with understand that they matter and that the work that they're doing matters. And that's purpose. And that's purpose. Okay. Number four, perseverance. Oh man, you got to have grit. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Grit. Now yeah. more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Grit and perseverance is very important. And that, that comes with the strength and the courage of being a leader because there's so many times that you, you want to give up or so many issues because you're not only worried totally. about yourself and your work, you're worried about your entire team's work and not only their work, but what's going on in their lives that's affecting their work. And then you care about your people, hopefully. So you're, you have all these things to think about all the time. And when challenges get thrown your way, are you going to take the high road? Are you going to get through them? Or are you going to give up? Have you ever wanted to give up? I mean, I know there's been. Times uh, yes, like, of course. And right? I think we all I think all of us are like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, right. It gets really hard. And yeah, a couple of um, times a month, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure especially now, too. So yeah. when someone gets that way, what do you think it is that is the the motivator to help them? Personally? Yeah. What is well, that, that is? That, that's why the profundity that passion and that purpose piece will help them person right because if, if you're clear on your purpose and you have this vision you, you, and you want it so badly you you're gonna have more perseverance because you're gonna use that as your your courage your strength and then okay so professionalism yeah right? i have a certain view of professionalism mm -hmm. that it's more about authenticity than it is about you know putting on appearances and looking like a robot everything about leadership is from the inside out so that professionalism is more around respect and civility taking care how we present ourselves not necessarily the clothes we're wearing but that it's appropriate whatever the circumstances are but also again that ability to connect professionally with people and listening and being respectful and having civility and being inclusive. I, I include inclusion in there. I think, you know, you talk about authenticity. That word's been used a lot lately. I hear it mm. a lot. And I think sometimes people are throwing that word out because it's it's almost a buzzword versus people who are genuinely authentic in themselves. Yeah. Just being real, keeping it real, being yourself and... Bring out your best self. And but but also being okay to be vulnerable and show your not so great self. I mean, we can't always be perfect and your best self because well, so, so right? here it is. <laughs> to me, being being your best self is being vulnerable because it, the courage to be vulnerable yeah. is very powerful. Yeah. And you know, and there are ways to share your story and there are ways to share what you're experiencing that is very powerful and takes vulnerability. And that goes a long way to establish connection. To me, the courage to be vulnerable means the courage to understand and have humility about what your mission is and what you're there to do and doing it anyway, even though the risks are high. I am a very emotional person yeah. and I've been in situations, I've been in conversations with the president of my company and I start crying yeah. and I hate myself when I start crying because I'm, I feel that that's not professional and I shouldn't be that way. So 
as a woman, because I'm, I'm assuming there's probably other women out there that feel there's just no way, no matter what, do you feel that that is an unprofessional if you're in a work environment or you're talking to somebody that's about work and you do show that emotion? What's your take on that? Well, I'm, I'm a crier too. So I cry <laughs> if I'm happy, I cry if I'm sad, I cry yeah. if I'm angry. So I have no issues with crying. My question is, what was the reaction that you got? Oh, very compassion and right? understanding. But so, I- so that's professionalism. That, to me, that demonstrates you're having a very human experience. Connection. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think if somebody cries to manipulate others, that that's fair because that happens too. Oh, yeah. No, of course. Right? So that's yeah. different. Yeah. But if somebody's genuinely being themselves and they're going through a rough time, to me, it's like, okay, let's make this accessible. Different people express themselves in different ways. And I've seen men cry as You've well. You've seen men cry? Yeah. Yeah. In a professional yeah. situation, in a professional, yeah. because I, I always feel it's frowned upon, and you know, well, it's like, it, oh it my god, that's so unprofessional. Well, that, that again, those are false beliefs that we right. hear. And yeah. yes, of course. I mean, you, if, if you're crying every day at work, maybe that's a sign that you need to take time off. <laughs> I broke my nail. Right? <laughs> maybe yeah. it's a no, sign, you know. But if, if it's every day, you need help. I mean, you need to yeah. get well. No, help, of course, right? But yeah. Uh, but if it's like if it happens and it's genuine, you know what? I would also look at how the people around you react to that. Mm-hmm. Because when uh, here's just a quick story, if I may. Yeah, of course. I was, this is I your was, show. I'm just here. <laughs> it's ours. It's ours. It's right. the people we're, we're serving. I, so I was, I was working with someone who was an aspiring leader. So she mm-hmm. was brilliant, 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 brilliant. And, and she, she had this professionalism thing where she was like a little bit, a little bit stiff. Oh with, yeah. Yeah. You know, I know. You know? Yeah. And I know uh, she was very structured and uh, very, you know, to the point. And, yeah. and she, she was probably, er, you know, early thirties. And I said to her, and I knew this was going to put her off. I said, uh, so, so tell me, so you want to be a leader? She goes, yeah. I said, tell me, you know, what if somebody starts crying at work? So she started backing up in her chair, like towards, like pushing herself towards, like a gap. The, yeah. <laughs> towards the door. Very uncomfortable. I said, what are you doing? She goes, oh, no, no. She says, oh, no, no, no. People should not bring their emotions to work. Yeah, that's what I hear. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to be dealing with emotions every single day of mm-hmm. your life. And if you're not willing to do the work to start managing your own emotions and helping others manage theirs, I suggest that you become, you know, like a super specialist. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And that you you maybe want to choose a different path because great people leaders have learned because it's not easy, right? It's not easy. Uh, the first couple times you're a leader and you see somebody crying in front of you, you don't know what to do. It's, it's hard. And it goes away. What do I do? Of right? Well, it's hard to see anybody cry, of course. Right? Yeah. But even yeah. then to say, well, then they personalize and well, what is it? They hate me. Well, like it's, it creates all these stories. Yeah. Oh, now they're going to launch a complaint and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, the person's suffering in front of you. And you're thinking to me, if you're going to be make the commitment that you want to become a great people leader, mm-hmm. start working on understanding human emotions. Start working on yourself, start working on yourself. So you need to be self-compassionate. You need to understand your own emotions and then help others. And that when people are upset in front of you, that you know how to support them and how to hold space for them. No, I love that that you said that because honestly, I beat my, I was beating myself up after I was so embarrassed and I thought that's so unprofessional and so you know now I feel better. So thank you for sharing that. And maybe there's other people out there that feel the same way. Yeah. 
So we've gone from crying to now play is the yes. six P. Why is that important? Fun is fuel. So fun creates positive energy. And when you go into toxic workplaces, it's like where fun forgot. Like literally you go to work to meetings and like everybody's got a long face. You try to crack a joke. They look at you sideways. It feels cold and it feels demotivating and disengaging. And it's like, get me the heck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's not fun. Fun workplaces, you feel the energy and it's not about necessarily being silly or ridiculous, you know, and dancing on desks. It's not what it yeah. is, but if you want to do that, I mean, if it's okay with your company. Yeah. Okay. Well, now but, we're all working from home. So, you know, yeah, we're all, yeah. like, I'll, I'll, da I'll dance on the chair. <laughs> exactly. but, uh, sometimes when, when employers talk about fun, they're only thinking about it within the context of like team building or special things they need to do. You can actually make work fun. You can make your brainstorming fun and interesting. You can figure out what people's passions are, and what lights them up and yeah. give them more of that. Yeah. You can ask them, what do you find fun to do? And they'll mm -hmm. tell you. And then they need to negotiate and say, okay, well, you do have to do this piece, but guess what? I'm going to work with you to see if we can get you more of this. That makes it fun. So you can into work on Mondays and you're not depressed. You're feeling like, I want to be here. Okay, number seven, philanthropy. Philanthropy. So the, the, the desire to do good for humanity. And this ties back to the, the three C's of connection, which is compassion, courage, and competence. You know, when employers ask me, well, what should we do for team building? And this and that, I said, well, why don't you do it around a cause? So that not only you're having fun, but you're also combining philanthropy and people connect with that feeling of when they do something good for someone else, oh, like yeah. there's nothing more powerful than that. It just warms you right up. And not only that, they connect with that and then they bring it back to the workplace. So all of a sudden there's greater kindness in the workplace. So philanthropy is really important on so many levels. Mm -hmm. Number one is to rally around something that's greater than ourselves, to, to do something together as a team, have this mission or, or goal that we want to help the community give back in some way. Is have seen that a lot now. Yes, you know? exactly. I actually, I don't know if you follow me on LinkedIn. I did a post, I can't remember, about there was a sign that 7-Eleven put in their window and it basically was a sign and it said something to the effect of, you know, I know kids are doing school from home now and it's challenging time. So every day between 11 and 4, if anyone under 18 comes in and we're going to give you a free banana, a free sandwich and a free Slurpee. Wonderful. Talk about like giving back and feeling good. Not only your, yeah. imagine being the employee, like when someone comes in right. with their child and you're like, here, yeah. it's free. How that would make you feel. Oh my gosh. Right. And yeah. so look, you read it and you're inspired. Oh yeah. And I shared right? it and I got so many it, people loved it too. Right. It inspires exactly. It inspires everybody. Yeah. It will make everybody feel good. The, the person receiving the people giving and all that stuff. So you're actually, when you're practicing that and you're encouraging that as a leader, you're creating really great positive energy and not only that helping pe people connect with that part of themselves and then yeah. they bring that back to work okay and then the last one prosperity and and, uh, and there's a reason why it's last to start putting people and planet before profits in the way that we lead we need to focus okay. on our people we need to focus on what impact we're having on our planet and the profits will follow and that's the interesting part profits actually go up when you practice the uh -huh. triple p bottom line right 
Yeah. And, and so then we ask ourselves, why are companies not adopting this? It's a it's a wonderful strategy. It benefits everyone. So to me, prosperity, and it's not just about the financial component. It's about the gratitude, being grateful for what we have. And it's also about the prosperity of appreciation. Let's appreciate what we have. Let's share that out and share that prosperity with our employees. I love it when I hear of leaders who will, for example, uh, in order to save jobs, will take a pay cut. You know, they're already making millions and they'll take a pay cut just to I, save jobs. To me, that is like, Especially wow. now. Absolutely. Wow. Or somebody who, who shares, who gives shares to the employees. They're sharing the prosperity. That's what the prosperity within this context means. It's more than just the money. It's right. about the whole feeling of creating uh, richness around the experience of leadership and and sharing that with people around you. Mm -hmm. No, those are great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, welcome. for sharing welcome. those with me. Your book again is called Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. So if anyone wants to learn more about you and about where they can get your book and about your institute and just to get connected with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Just launched my new uh, website. It's called lightyourleadership.com. And you go on there, there's a button to book a discovery call. I like to work very much so with middle managers and directors. So uh, the engagement that I would have with CEOs is to help them understand their middle management better and then to, to build their leadership capacity so they can make that journey and transition from individual contributor to great people leader. And we can definitely use more great people leaders. So thanks again, Lisa Anna, for being on my show. I really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much, Jolie. Keep lighting a fire in their hearts with <laughs> <laughs> with your podcast. This is awesome. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe even learned a few things about leadership and how it could help you with your branding. And most of all, I hope you had fun. This podcast is a work in progress, so please make sure to rate and review what you think and please subscribe to Branding Matters on whatever platform you listen to. And if you want to learn more about the Branding Badass, that's me, you can find me on all social media platforms including Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Thanks again and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.